You're now listening to episode 45 of the Real Estate CPA Podcast. Your source for all things real estate, accounting, and tax. Here we reveal our secrets that can save you thousands in taxes, streamline your accounting process, and help grow your business. Stay tuned to hear insightful interviews with industry experts, successful real estate investors, and current clients on what strategies they use to grow their business and how they steer clear of Uncle Sam. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in. Brandon Hall and Thomas Costelli here today with host of the Real Estate Syndication Show, Whitney Sewell. We're going to discuss why real estate syndication, tips on getting started and finding the right coach, evaluating deal sponsors, and more. Just want to let everybody know we did record this episode a few months back, so Whitney's podcast, The Real Estate Syndication Show, is now way past episode 23. You can learn more about Whitney and his podcast by visiting lifebridgecapital.com. you can find that link in the show notes below. With April 15th officially behind you, it's never been a better time to start tax planning for 2019 and the years ahead. Our Tax Strategy Foundation Engagement is a multiple call series that walks you through the tax strategies you'll need to reduce your tax bills. At the end of the series, we'll give you a tax strategy blueprint that summarizes each strategy and what actions you'll need to take to implement them. And if you need assistance throughout the year, our team is there to help you every step of the way. There's no need to pay more taxes than necessary. Head over to therealestatecpa.com and fill out the form on the Become a Client page to get started today. And without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. Whitney, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Could you give our listeners a little bit of a background, how you got started and uh, how you got to where you are today? Of course, I'd be happy to. Thanks again, guys, for having me on the show. Honored to be here. So, you know, getting started in real estate, uh, it was just really out of necessity. I started back in 2009 and I was a police officer at the time. So my income was you know, less than $30,000 a year and I couldn't see any room for advancement. I couldn't see any path to make really much more money where I was at. I really enjoyed the work. However, I could see pretty quickly that long-term, it was going to be hard to, to have much income. You know, there were guys retiring uh, with more than 20 years on that were still making less than 40000 a year. And so the writing was kind of on the wall that I had to find something else to supplement. And so pretty quickly after uh, my wife and I were married, I, somebody introduced her to Dave Ramsey and financial peace, those types of things. And so that was really our education and finances, you know, right after we were married. Before then, we really had none and had made, you know, personally, had made really poor financial decisions. And so that helped us as far as helping to get out of debt and learning some of that stuff. But somehow I found, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some other books like that. And my eyes were open to this thing about real estate. And within a few months, I purchased a couple of triplexes and it was, um, honestly, we purchased them before I was ready, but you know, I hadn't really done enough educating, but somehow we made it happen. And I even had an investor that invested in the deal and, and he made, he made good money, but uh, we did not. Uh, there were lots of deferred maintenance and uh, we just weren't experienced enough to really understand what to look for and even how to find out what we needed to know. However, we made it work. Uh, soon we moved from Kentucky to Virginia where we live now and we sold those properties and we came out okay. But you know, the biggest thing is that we learned a lot. So soon after moving to Virginia, we bought um, a small complex 15 unit, but my wife and I decided to adopt uh, adopt children and so long story short it's very expensive you know anywhere 40 to 60 grand most people uh, don't under, don't know that it's that 
expensive, but we're in our third process now and we wanted to keep adopting. So we, we wanted to scale this business, scale the real estate. And, and so I started learning about syndication and I really liked the business aspect of syndication as opposed to just buying more toll. It's more single family homes and, and being able to help other people as far as investors. And, and so that's really what pushed us into learning about syndication and growing this business through the syndication model. So why, out of all the investment strategies out there, why choose the multifamily path and the apartment building path and the syndication path out of all the other options you have? So, you know, obviously I I want financial freedom. I want passive income. I want those things. And multifamily was something I was just more uh, familiar with to start with, uh, as opposed to maybe mobile home parks or or self-storage, which you know, can still be great investments, obviously, but it just wasn't what I was as familiar with. So I really focused on multifamily. And then the syndication model was was a way to really scale the business. And I, like I said, I really liked the business aspect of it, you know, where you're, you're dealing with professionals, you know, as far as professional management and uh, even people like yourself, you know, for bookkeeping and CPAs, you know, it's much more of a business model as opposed to buying many single family homes or even a flipping business. So, you know, it's still a business. It's still something, you know, it's still going to be a big part of for a long time, which syndication is too, to some extent. However, I really like the business model as opposed to, you know, having to do a hundred transactions a month as opposed to doing maybe one every two or three months. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with that. You know, I did a syndication around a year ago, I think actually around the time when I met you at uh, Jake and Gino's event. But basically, I'm so surprised that the property manager does so much of the work. Like, uh, I'm almost shocked by the amount of work that I don't have to actually do. And um, it's just a great business model. So that's, I have to agree there. Would you mind giving us a little bit of a walkthrough of the hurdles and lessons that, you, that you're currently overcoming uh, in your syndication journey thus far? Sure. So, you know, as far as getting into the syndication business, you know, it's difficult if you don't have any experience or, or money, you know, large amounts of money to invest, right? And that's, I mean, I hear it all the time from people. It's like, I don't have experience. So how can I do that? And it's really a limiting belief as far as, you know, I, I, they can't see themselves going and buying a, a hundred unit property. And even in some local meetups that I've been a part of, you know, when I talked about doing a syndication or so, you know, now I really want to do a hundred plus unit next, you know, most, a lot of people in there who are much more experienced than I am as far as buying small multifamily and single, mostly single family, you know, the feedback would be, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Whitney, you know, that's, you know, you usually want to buy a few single family homes and a duplex and then maybe scale up to a fourplex and then just gradually work your way up. You know, that that's really, you know, the advice, but I, but I really see that as a very limiting belief. And, and I, I've seen, I've met enough people now that uh, did not take that path, you know, and are very successful in the, in the syndication business. But to gain experience the way, you know, I've done it and the way I've seen lots of people be successful is by hiring a mentor, either hiring or finding a mentor who is is doing what you want to do. That's been key for me and for many others that I see. And that's helped me overcome, you know, many difficulties that probably would have, have held me way back or even kept me from moving forward. You know, having that person that's done this in this business, knows the business really well and is very experienced. And it's given me much more confidence because just having them on my side. You know, so I have spent significant amounts of money on business coaches and mentoring. Um, I've had free free mentors, and then I've also had extremely expensive mentors. One of the coaches that I'm currently working with is uh, he runs a fifty million dollar business and is just absolutely phenomenal. How do you go about finding 
basically, I 100% agree. You should not be trotting down any sort of path uh, without some sort of guiding light there, right? But I've also seen, I've had bad coaches. I've seen the downsides. So how are you going about making sure that you're getting a business coach that actually makes sense and not just like, you know, like another guru, so to speak. And I hate to use that word, but we all know what that means. So, so <laughs> how, how are you finding legitimate business coaches? So I was very, I was very leery about jumping right in with a coach. I, I had somewhat of a coach, or I guess you call it a coach, but even back in 09, but really had no guidance. Really, did, I didn't have a clue. I was kind of signed up with somebody and didn't vet them. I didn't research different coaches. I just kind of jumped in and really didn't get very good guidance. But however, this time I, I knew it was necessary. I knew it would help me to get to my goal much faster. So I traveled to different conferences where I knew different people were speaking that I knew, you know, that were coaches. And so that if I'd never heard them speak before or met them, I tried to go meet them somewhere. And so that way I could talk to them in person or at least hear them speak just to get a feeling for who they are. And I took into account as far as the the track record of their students, you know, how much success had their students had and how long had they been in the business, you know, and were they still in the business? You know, did they have success back in the, you know, even 90s or early 2000s, but now they're not doing anything in real estate, they're just coaching, you know, and I really wanted somebody that's in the business, in the business right now. And I also got them on uh, like bigger pockets and places like that. And, and I would find students of different coaches and I would reach out to them and just say, Hey, you know, I'm looking at joining, you know, a coaching program. I see you're, you know, with this specific coach, you know, would you mind talking to me and answering a few questions about your experience? And that, that was really helpful. Love it. Now, Whitney, you have a podcast yourself, right? What's the name of that podcast? The Real Estate Syndication Show. The Real Estate Syndication Show. And that is a, correct me if I'm wrong, a daily podcast. That's correct. That is phenomenal. That's a lot of work. We have we have a hard time over here just pumping out one a week. So I don't know how you. <laughs> it is a lot of work, daily man. <laughs> but that's very good. So so you've interviewed a lot of a lot of investors and some big name investors too. What are some of your biggest takeaways so far from uh, from the guests that you've you've interviewed on that podcast? That's a great question, and and I would say that it's more accumulative. You know, like I've learned a lot. I mean, I've learned a lot over. I've done about eighty interviews now, and uh, I think today is like day twenty-two or twenty-three. I think, and you know, really learning about you know how different deal sponsors or syndicators raise capital, or maybe different ways that they uh, structure deals, or ways that they uh, communicate with investors, and and just I mean, the great thing about a podcast, as you know, is you know, you can interview these people and you can ask them about anything you want, you know? And so it's given me that table or that platform to really learn a lot myself and really quickly. What is a, and maybe maybe you haven't talked about this exactly, but what is like a tax strategy that these guys consistently reference, these guys being the syndicators that you've been interviewing? Mm, a tax strategy. And that's that's something I should ask them more often, honestly. I think most of the time these guys are going to say that they're hiring an expert, you know, or they're hiring, you know, they don't want to be the tax strategist or they don't want, you know, they, they know that that's not uh, a part of the business that they can specialize in or they're going to spend a lot of time on and that they're going to hire somebody like yourself to, to help them. And after interviewing, you know, 80 of these folks, I, I know I, I've been on the show and I know that not all 80 of them are syndicates, but have you been able to like formulate any sort of common core questions that accredited investors might want to be asking syndicates? And for example, like we try to help our accredited investor clients ask better questions to the general partners of the syndications with sponsors that are putting these deals together. 
one of the questions that we have our accredited investor clients ask is, you know, what are you planning to do with the uh, new bonus depreciation rules for 2018 or the 100% bonus depreciation rules for 2018? And then how is that going to coincide with your plan to mitigate the business interest limitations? I'm just wondering if you have any sort of high-level advice there. What are some additional questions that they might be able to ask that you can kind of glean some insight from the sponsor? Hmm. You know, most of the time I ask every one of them, you know, not only obviously how they got started and things like that, but also want to know, like, you know, obviously how long they've been in the business, what kind of deals they're doing, what kind of track record. You know, I'm really going to ask about their track record, especially if I'm looking at investing in their deals, right? But I want to know how they communicate. And I, I want to know even when something bad goes wrong, how they communicate with their investors. And, and I'll ask for an example. You know, tell me when something bad happened. That, you know, if we're talking about a property, I want to know when something bad happened and how you communicated that to investors, how quickly were investors notified, what were some even concerns investors had with them then and how they responded and what happened. And, and you know, things are going to happen, right? And, you know, no deal sponsor can know uh, everything that's going to happen or even plan for everything. However, if they're responding well, if they're communicating well, I mean, that's it's very important. You know, it's just communication is key. Yeah. So basically going in and having the, the investor set the expectations or at least get the sponsor to set the communication expectations. I agree. 100% critical. And we've seen it on our end too. So we run the accounting and the taxes for a lot of these sponsors. And the sponsors that are like uber successful, you just feel like they just they have way too much money to deal with. Those guys are super transparent with their investors. They're not holding anything back. They're communicating timely. They're turning communications around within 24 hours. If an, if an investor has a question, they're looping us into the conversation. The sponsors that we have that are not really, uh, you know, rolling in the dough, so to speak, or rolling in the commitments, the the capital raises. Those are the guys that typically struggle there, or they they have growing pains. They're growing really fast, and they kind of lose the investor relation part of the business. But then what happens is. You go for that second, third, fourth round of funding or fundraising at some later point, and you've got these investors who you should be tapping for an extra fifty to $100,000. And they're telling you no, because of the prior experience, you just got some communication problems and they don't, you know, they've got another sponsor that they're also investing with who's phenomenal and they want to invest more with that guy. So yeah, I totally relate to what you're saying. I would say too that, you know, the teams that I've seen that have been very successful are teams. You know, they're, they're good teams. They work together well. Their specialties really help each other. And, and where, you know, one falls short, there's somebody else that's really specializing in that area. So just like you're talking about, when you start to grow and all of a sudden, you know, if I was doing this business by myself and then I'm focused on asset management or maybe I have a problem with the management company, whatever it is, you know, I'm focused on that. I'm trying to take care of that issue. But then all of a sudden investors are calling or whatever. And, and I really, I can't get to them for two or three days or, you know, then all these problems, it just starts to mound, right? It's Snowball, but these teams where they have somebody that's specialized in, you know, investor communications and really focused, you know, somebody that's focused on them responding timely and answering their questions, but then somebody else that's really focused on the asset management. And I think in the beginning, a lot of times guys are, you know, they don't want to give up part of the business. They feel or they feel like they're giving up part of their business. No, you know, I'm not going to partner. I'm not going to, I want to do this myself. You know, I want to learn the whole business. That's what, you know, I hear that all the time. I want to learn the whole business. I'm going to do it all myself. You won't be able to do it well, you know, and you won't be able to scale near as fast. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree with that. You know, from my experience, just as a limited partner, 
um, and some deals, you know, and when you're giving someone your money, right, you, know, you want to know that they're going to be transparent. You want to know that they're going to be responsive because you're taking a risk on somebody. And um, I definitely do have to agree that when you have the teams in place to do, it makes it a lot easier. Someone who could, who could focus on that because that is an important part. And uh, funny enough, when I did the syndication I did, the biggest thing I've learned in that syndication process was the power of teamwork and the importance of teamwork and be able to rely on other people. So a lot of what you say just resonates with me and I'm sure it does with a lot of listeners out there as well. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap this segment up, if you are an accredited investor and you're listening to this or you are a limited partner in a deal or you're you're about to be a limited partner in a deal, set those standards with the sponsor up front. Don't don't wait till it's too late. Before you give them the cash, ask them the hard question. What's going to happen when the deal goes south? How are you going to communicate that to me? And, and when are you going to let me know? What sort of communication standards can I expect from you? What are those expectations? And then if they don't meet those expectations, because guys, if a sponsor is good, they're going to scale and they're going to grow. And you want to be involved with that type of person. But what happens is they're going to experience growing pains. And those growing pains could make it look like they're not doing a good job. And that that look would be not returning your phone calls, not returning your emails, kind of ghosting you. It doesn't mean that the deals are bad. It just means that the person's super busy. So if you can upfront get those expectations in writing, then you can remind the sponsor whenever that time comes that, hey, look, I get that you're scaling, but remember these communication expectations that you set with me? Here, I have an email. I'm going to forward it to you. Those are the expectations that I expect to continue to hold you to. And if not, then I'm going to have to go somewhere else with my funds. I'm not going to want to reinvest with you. And, and you'll, you'll get their attention at that point. So really good conversation there. It takes time, right? I mean, they can't, you know, every deal sponsor, like I said, isn't going to know everything that's going to come up and can't plan for everything. It's just like doing this podcast where I've had to hire numerous VAs and it's taken, you know, a little bit of time to make sure that everybody knows what they're doing, you know? And so I've recorded shows for a good while before I actually launched, but mostly so everybody knows what they're doing. And I, I can be confident that now once we launch that everybody, everybody knows what they need to do and everybody can make it happen with a little effort on my on my end other than the interviews. Yeah. And people will go through growing pains. We went through growing pains last tax season. (laughs) Some of our clients can attest to this. As they're listening, they're probably nodding along and they're laughing right now because they're like, yeah, those guys went through some growing pains uh, that 2017 tax season. But sponsors do as well. And you know, we work with so many of these sponsors and we've seen them at different stages in the life cycle. And they typically hit these glass ceilings that they can't break through until they figure out how to create a better management team. Once that happens, the sky's the limit. And we see people break through it all the time. But it does take time to, to understand where the holes are uh, and plug those holes with professional teammates uh, so that that sponsor can continue trodding along. So if you see those growing pains, you know, don't throw your hands up and be dismayed. Just remind them of those communication expectations or whatever other expectations you set up front and, and hold the sponsor accountable to those. Uh, so Whitney, you've interviewed a lot of folks. Um, you're raising yourself. When do you feel like, you know, based on your experience and then based on talking to other people, when do you feel like a sponsor needs to upgrade from either the DIY do-it-yourself method or a cheap bookkeeper and hire a professional firm or get some uh, higher level help? Uh, pretty much from the beginning. You know, maybe if you're only doing a couple single family homes or something like that, you do it yourself. But if you're in the syndication business, I feel like you have to have a good bookkeeper from the very beginning. Um, I've I've never done my own taxes, and I don't plan to. 
And so we, we've hired somebody from the beginning for that and also for uh, bookkeeping more so recently. Yeah. And, and I know that we're the, uh, we're the accounting firm. And obviously, that's a loaded question coming from us <laughs> because we have a vested interest there. But we hear the same thing with all the sponsors that, that we interview. And I just think it's so critical that if you're a sponsor, that you get a professional teammate on your team as early as possible, whether that be an accountant, a really good bookkeeper, a CPA. I can't tell you how many horror stories we've seen where even, even our current clients, they, they will forget to tell us about the due diligence on like a 400 unit property. And then they go through and purchase it. And then we look at the mortgage docs and it's like, whoa, did you see all these clauses in here that we have to be held to now? Like we could have negotiated this up front, but you waited until after the purchase and now we've got problems. So get a professional on your team and get them on your team early. Yeah. And, you know, I would say too, you know, I took a referral from a guy for a CPA one time and it was a, a really bad experience. The The CPA specifically had more than 30 years experience. However, our experience with him, I won't go into too much detail, but it was really bad, really bad. And thankfully, my my wife takes very good notes. <laughs> and so, you know, long story short, we were very short on a return and all this stuff and come to find out, you know, there was some problems there that, that wasn't caught. And uh, obviously I switched, you know, CPAs again. And now, you know, we have a, a larger company now that's very good. But uh, I just say, you know, even 30 years experience didn't mean that he was the best suited for my business, you know? And I, I hear so many people, you know, that, you know, are, are working with you all and, and uh, different ones that I know are, are much better suited, you know? Yeah. There you go. We're all about technology. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we've covered syndications, we've covered accounting and taxes now. Uh, now it's time for the important questions. What's the favorite piece of technology you're currently using in your business? Uh, the technology I'm probably using the most is a CRM called Contactually. And uh, Contactually allows me to track, obviously, all my contacts and when I contact them. And it helps me to stay in contact with investors and I can pull people, you know, depending on how often I need to contact them, it will remind me and I take notes, you know, of conversations and things like that. So I can, I can remember maybe what somebody needed or maybe their preferences on an investment or, you know, what they're looking for. And so when I pull back up their profile, I can say, okay, you know, John wants, you know, this in an investment. I think he's a good fit. Obviously, I'm going to reach out to him when I have that. Nice. Love it. And uh, how much is contactually? It's uh, like 69 or $70 a month. Oh, cool. Is that like a constant contact or is it like a full-blown CRM? No, it's full-blown CRM. Oh, sweet. Yeah. It also has an app. Uh, I I would say the app's not as functional. However, you can still take notes about communications and things like that through it, which is pretty useful. It sounds like an awesome awesome CRM. You know, it it is important out there, you know, whether you're you're selling accounting services or you're selling investments that you have good data on on the people you're going to be, you know, contacting and you keep... Because all those little things help. I remember when my sales experience, you had to... Just remembering those little details about people, it just helped build that connection. So definitely see where that could be impactful. Before we wrap up, do you have any other advice that you'd like to share with our, our listeners? You know, I would say, uh, get out and make it happen. You have to get started. You know, you're going to get what you focus on, you know? So are you focused on you know, the, the ball game all day, all weekend, you know, or, or are you out, you know, making something happen or what are you focused on? And uh, you just got to get out and do it. And I, I mean, you got to educate yourself, but you got to get out and make stuff happen. And I, I go to conferences often and I'm sitting next to people, I'm introducing myself and I'll say, hey, you know, what are you hoping to get out of this weekend? And I hear, uh, I don't know. 
I just see who I meet or whatever I want. You know, there's no, you know, there's no goals. There's no desire. There's no drive in them. So, you know, I just encourage people, you know, reach out to me if I can help you. And there's tons of other people in the business that, that want to help. So ask questions and meet people and, you know, make little tasks, you know, so you can take big steps. And if our listeners wanted to get in contact with you, what is the best way to do that? Um, you can reach me at Whitney at lifebridgecapital.com or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com you know, to see our website and see you know, just our why and why we're do, you know, doing this, what drives us and, and uh, people on our team. And, and you can schedule a call with me there anytime. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. It's, it's been a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Thank you guys very much. Thanks for listening to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please find us on iTunes and leave us a review. You can also email us at contact at therealestatecpa.com with any feedback or topic suggestions. We are always taking on new clients and with the new tax laws in play, you really don't want to navigate this alone. Let us help you save money on taxes and with your accounting and CFO needs. To become a client, navigate to our client page at therealestatecpa.com and fill out a web form with as much detail about your situation as possible. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week.